Hello and welcome to this episode of the Dallas Christian College Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spees, the Director of Advancement here at DCC. And last week, we celebrated our six-month anniversary of our podcast that first aired on Monday, November the 2nd, back in 2020. We've continued sharing a new podcast each week as we've examined current topics and events that are having an impact on our society, the world of education, and the local church. And joining me today is the president of Dallas Christian College, Dr. Brian Smith. Hello, President Smith. I'm glad to be here. And of course, we are joined as well by Mark Worley, the voice of the DCC Leadership Podcast and DCC's Vice President of Institutional Advancement. Hello, Mark. Hey, Scott. It's good to have you. So back in November, President Smith and Mark Worley were our guests for that very first podcast. And so we thought it would be appropriate to go back to where we started and update our listeners on some of the the changes that we have seen in higher education and the church over these last six months. Uh, As we shared in last week's episode, it's been pretty amazing how God has used the DCC Leadership Podcast to encourage and inform those of you who have been listening. And I'm confident that now is the time for the message that God is communicating through what we're doing here at at DCC. You know, we just celebrated this past week another commencement in our 70th year as a Christian college and institute of higher education. And we were able to send out 38 graduates, men and women who have been equipped and educated to do great things for the kingdom of God. And speaking of what God is doing at DCC and throughout the world, I think that's a good segue into what you two are going to talk about here for a few minutes. So Mark, I'm going to turn it over to you and let you and President Smith have this conversation for our listeners. Well, thanks, Scott. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting, some of the, th- the changes that have happened in our world recently, in fact, uh, maybe post-COVID, I suppose. But, um, you know, it, it's not anything that's happening happening in a vacuum. I know uh, when I teach Acts class, uh, one of the extra credit I give them is taking a look at the se- secular humanist manifestos, one and two. And they say in there, you know, that they're going to modify the behavior of all of us, especially young people, through four mediums. One is education. I'll come back to that. But second is media. Mm-hmm. Third is uh, is secular humanist organizations like Planned Parenthood and through government. Yeah. Pretty interesting. That was written in 1973. And again, this is not just some out there kind of uh, conspiracy theory. It is something that they logically put together and said, hey, we're, we're going to modify the behavior of people in the United States. And so right now, uh, that's how they're doing it, yep. you know, through education, through media. Has anybody questioned that? You know, through uh, secular humanist organizations, has anybody questioned the, the power of uh, Planned Parenthood and and certainly through government and uh you know, I guess what we could be called far right or whatever, or far left or whatever that is. But um, so, so what what we see today as a result, in fact, uh, Francis Schaeffer talked about this. Uh, one of the first Christian books I read was uh, a Francis Schaeffer, a Schaeffer book on uh, really a, a future look, and and this is what what we're in. Uh, I mean, there there's turmoil all over the country. There's discord. Uh, Racial protests and riots are all over the country. Higher education is producing secular humanists right and left. We can see that. 
There's gender confusion, identity crisis, and that's probably the the, the big focus right there is just identity crisis. Uh, there's attacks on the Christian faith that are growing. There's anger and bitterness everywhere. Title IX and LGBTQ issues are prevailing over Christian principles. That's that's the issue there. Abortion, it's not only the norm, it is celebrated, uh, which is uh, worldviews are being changed by the media. I mean, we see all of this going on. So, um, <clears throat> Well, that was just real encouraging. There. Yeah, so, great uh, way to start this podcast. So my my <laughs> wife, in watching the news, she says, uh, okay, there's all the, there's all the problems. Uh-huh. So, okay, Dr. Smith, what's the solution? What's, yeah. uh, what's, what can we do? Well, this will be easy, yeah. Yeah, just just solve the problem. Well, you know, I think uh, there is something to be said for uh, changing the world one student at a time. I think that uh, training up leaders that um, can speak into this culture, that can even combat some of that ideology, that can uh, speak with truth and love um, into those things is is really key. And I think that when you look at higher education as a whole – generally uh, feeding uh, the kinds of moral, ethical issues that we're talking about here. Uh, Christian higher education, at least uh, those institutions that take the gospel seriously, take the Word of God seriously, are absolutely going the other direction. Uh, We're not alone in that, but we're certainly in the minority. Uh, We're certainly in the minority there. But I think that Christian higher education can be and is a key uh, to raising up leaders that understand that the truth of God's word is the only uh, ultimate truth that will get us out of any of this mess. Uh, I don't think the culture's lost, um, but I do think the culture is is losing itself. Um, I don't think that we've we, we've lost this fight, so to speak, for the American family, um, for uh, Western society, or even for global Christianity, uh, depending on what your perspective might be. But I do think that raising up leaders that can really make a difference in this world it is key. You know, I think uh, having students that can, can think for themselves and not be uh, swayed uh, unduly by uh, media, uh, no matter its perspective, uh, no matter its political or, or even uh, faith perspective, to be able to, to ground what they believe in a Christian worldview in the Word of God and be able to uh, speak into issues with thoughtfulness with fairness, uh, with objectivity to the extent that they can, um, but also, again, with truth and love, both of those things together. I think we need leaders that are willing to, you know, have a, um, a rational, even calm conversation, and yet a firm conversation, uh, one that is founded on, on principles that, um, that, that don't move, that aren't shaken by every whim or every uh, movement of the wind. I think, um, you know, students and graduates coming from institutions like ours, um, we see it every day. We've seen it for, for decades now, 70 years of having uh, men and women in key uh, areas, whether that's, you know, large churches or mission fields or places that you and I have never heard of, except for that one of our graduates is there, um, uh, making a huge difference in the lives of hundreds and thousands of people. We need more of that uh, rather than uh, the way that the national conversation is going. I mean, we, we need students that are even willing to defend their faith in the court of public opinion, in real court, uh, you know, the actual legal courts. We need those that are willing to fight for the unborn. We need those that are willing to, to fight for, again, in truth and love, 
uh, need to fight for uh, identity to be found primarily in Christ rather than one's sexuality or uh, other issues of, of gender. Um, I think it's possible to love all people, uh, and leaders that we're producing indeed strive to do that while still speaking and, and living out the truth. Yeah. yeah, I think it's interesting, isn't it, that that when uh, the, the secular world hears about Christian higher education, they think our job is to produce antagonists, you know, people that attack. Uh, but that's not what we're talking about in Christian higher education at all. No, and you, of course, can find examples of that on, on all sides. Uh, and, and any side, for sure, there's always uh, someone who, who acts that way. But no, I mean, you know, in large part, the graduates produced out of Christian higher education I mean, they're, they're regular people who want their families to flourish and their communities to flourish and their churches to flourish. And, and ultimately, they want the best for their country. They want the best for their, uh, uh, for their um, you know, ethnic group. They want the best for, um, you know, their, their communities around them of, of, of a diverse people group. I mean, they want the best for society. Um, it, the difference is they believe that the best comes out of the truth of God's word, that the uh, the best um, of human flourishing comes from a biblical worldview that prioritizes God and his truth and his word um, and his way of doing things, and that that will bring hope and that will bring um, a remedy to crises, uh, not other things, not division, um, and not um, any of the other solutions being proposed by media and by our society. And, you know, part of me is sympathetic that that when when someone, let's say, um, in, in a media position doesn't have a biblical worldview, I'm sympathetic to the fact that they don't see the world the way that we do and that they are perhaps well-meaning proposing solutions or having a particular bent in the way that they speak um, in a way that they believe will help society. Uh, I, I don't think that most of them are, quote, out to get society. I don't think they're necessarily trying to harm things. But I think ultimately the prescription won't work, um, that ultimately it, it, it won't. However well-meaning a person or an industry might be, um, I think that it's, it's ultimately misguided, if not overtly um, trying to bring down our society in, in, in many ways. So, I think it, it, it's interesting. Jesus, all the way back in Matthew the ninth chapter, he said, uh, or, or uh, Matthew says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages preaching in the synagogues mm-hmm. and teaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, then he turned to his disciples and said, the harvest is plentiful. I checked out that word plentiful mm-hmm. and, and it really is polis or uh, it's kind of like metropolis. You know, it's, it's uh, filled with people. And Jesus there with the Greek background, he's, he's feeling, he's expressing a sense of urgency mm-hmm. for the workers. And he says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to thrust out workers into the harvest field. Uh, you know, uh, kind of depressed Scott just a minute ago, but... <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> You know, it's you, not new. It's been around for a long it's time. It's been around right. for a long time. And, yeah. uh, but, there, but there does, uh, I think among Christians especially, there does seem a sense of mm-hmm. urgency. Uh, I know that we were in a, uh, 
a conversation with Dr. John Derry, and he just in passing said, now is the time for higher educa- Christian higher education. Now is the time. And he said it kind of in passing, but it just resonated in a big way. So how did that resonate with you, Dr. Smith? Oh, yeah. It it, it captured everything that I've been feeling and thinking for the last, uh, well, many years, but especially the last year. I think that that urgency really is perhaps the difference. You know, uh, you know, putting uh, Jesus in context in in Matthew nine. I mean, he's he's talking to a Jewish audience that is uh, under Roman rule, and uh, I don't think we could reliably say that we're worse off than the Roman society was. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I think there's there's a lot to be said for our society is at least highly influenced still by Christian worldview by Judeo-Christian values and all of those things where Rome didn't have that. Christianity was brand new. It was birthed and, you know, the, the extent to which the, uh, the Jews had influenced society uh, was significant, but certainly uh, Rome was a, a, uh, a very unique situation. And yet Jesus saw that not only in Israel and oppressed people that were helpless and they were sheep without a shepherd and they needed uh, workers uh, to be sent out to to bring the hope and truth of the kingdom of God that he was bringing. That message isn't very different. And I could argue that that this society is perhaps better off than Rome, but there is a sense in which I'm, I, I'm feeling a little reflective on where he was coming from, that in many ways I do see echoes of what Rome uh, was like as a society. I do see the prioritizing of things that are not the truth of God. Uh, and I think in that context, I think we can we can reflect a little bit on Jesus's urgency and say that now is the time more than ever uh, to raise up leaders that are going to say something different. They're going to live differently and that are going to ultimately bring the truth of God's word and the hope of the gospel into our communities, into our society, because frankly, that's the only hope that we have. You said, uh, and I quote, uh, this raises the level of urgency and importance of equipping leaders. Yeah, it sure does. Uh, I think that, that, that that's our work, not only at DCC, but all of Christian higher education or anywhere else in the church, big C, not little c, that are raising up leaders across the globe is, is absolutely vital to our work. And that's always been really important. And I don't know that that's gone up or down. I think that that's a big deal. But I do, sen- uh, I do sense an urgency um, that is perhaps greater than ever, that if we don't um, urgently invest in the preparation of leaders, I think we will lose more ground, and I think we will um, continue to not accomplish the bringing the gospel to all nations, the transforming power of the gospel uh, to our society and societies around the world. You know, I think some of the urgency comes from the fact that in some ways, uh, take Bible translation for an example, I mean, there are some estimates that have us finishing the task by 2050. And so some of it's a very positive, we're seeing the end of the tunnel here. Now, that's not the end of bringing the gospel to all nations, but it's a big step in, in the growth of Christianity across the globe of bringing hope and truth and prosperity even to people groups uh, all across the world. I mean, there, there's a lot... Um, that 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 still needs to be done, but exciting stuff going on. And yet, on the other side, we're seeing concerning trends in not only our culture, but uh, much of Western culture, 
Um, but we're seeing the growth of Christianity in uh, third world nations and Asia and Africa is growing growing like by leaps and bounds. So there's exciting and concerning things at the same time. And I'm convinced that uh, one of the best prescriptions to to all of these issues is to raise up those leaders that are that are ready, that are absolutely ready to confront this culture and to bring truth and love and uh, the hope of the gospel. And we've got to buckle down on that uh, to the extent that we can. Um, we need to train more and more leaders, and we need to raise up um, you know, a, a new generation. We need to raise up all generations uh, despite their age. We need the entire church from the nursery to uh, the uh, most senior of our ranks um, to, to uh, feel that sense of urgency and invest uh, sure, I mean financially, but I also mean just um, a groundswell of, 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 of the church to say we need to raise up leaders now more than ever to feel that urgency and invest fully. Now, I, I remember uh, in located youth ministry when I was there, uh, I wanted my young people to go to go to Christian college. I just mm-hmm. wanted them to go to a Christian college because I felt like that it would help lay the foundation for life. And I can remember, uh, you know, uh, doing battle is is a harsh word, but it, it's not. But it, but it's a lot of discussions mm-hmm. with uh, even Christian leaders in the church that I was serving in were were saying, "Look, I want my kid to go to a real college, get a real education." <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, man, did we go around around? And, and I think it's interesting that some of those very same parents later saw the devastation that happened. Uh, with their child and the the transformation in a negative sense with their child, I, I man, I went and sat with several of them, uh, and uh, uh, some of those people have turned around and established a fund here at DCC. I think that's interesting. But you said uh, this challenges the church to invest in leaders to lead local churches, organizations, etc., and consider the consequences of not doing so. Yeah, one of the things that I've I've loved sharing in sort of a bittersweet way uh, this last year, whenever I've been in front of a church audience, to really have that discussion that, you know, uh, many people in the church and church leaders value church planting um, and the, the, the way that that's happening here and abroad and know that that's the key to the success of the church. They value Bible translation, as I mentioned before, bringing the Bible to the Bible list, the thousands of people groups who still need the Word of God. Uh, they value uh, uh, combating human and sex trafficking. I value that too. I mean, more more than anything, you know, I I value um, raising up uh, young people and and e- even children in the Word of God through children's ministry and Christian daycares. And I mean, you can make the list as long as you want of all of um, everyone's favorite homeless ministries. And and you know, it's it's exciting to to see all that work. But then we have to ask a really a pretty hard question and when we look at many of those organizations the people leading them and working in them are graduates of places like dcc and so the big question i've been asking myself and anyone who will listen if not for those that we equip who will lead them who will lead those organizations and those churches and those kingdom businesses that are transforming the world through the hope of the gospel if not the leaders we produce, then who? I'm not saying that God can't raise up leaders in all kinds of ways across the world, even without DCC. I get it. 
but to the extent that we can influence and be part of that kingdom effort, really, that's a big question. Who will lead them? And I want, I want people to hear that question and, and have a good answer. And, and, and I hope that their answer is, well, <laughs> actually, we need places like DCC to raise up those leaders. Yeah, this sounds like an infomercial type of thing, but no. it really isn't. No. <laughs> I mean, it's a deep conviction. Yeah. And, and, and I don't, uh, you know, honestly, thinking more kingdom and church-minded, um, I don't care how God accomplishes this, whether it's DCC or somewhere else or um, all of us together. The, the fact is the job needs to get done. And, yeah, we're sitting here 70 years later still doing the task. And sure, so, so sure, why not? Why not DCC? But it's not about DCC. It's about the urgency of raising up leaders because without them, those organizations won't be planting churches and rescuing young girls, especially out of trafficking, and the list goes on. Everything that the church is deeply passionate about, the poor, the widow, the alien, the orphan, and the oppressed, um, none of that work will get done if not leaders with a biblical worldview. I think it's interesting, uh, you know, you mentioned the, the, the decadence around Jesus' time, but you even go hundreds of years before that. And I, I was drawn to Solomon's proverb, as you all were talking, where, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint or the people perish. Mm-hmm. I really like the way the New Living Translation puts it because it's pretty much describing 2021. When people do not accept divine guidance, mm. they run wild. And I think that's very much where our society is, and it, again, speaks to the importance of biblical grounding, Christian worldview, the things that that we champion here at Dallas Christian College. Yeah, and we're really not talking about military action. There was no military action with Jesus and his 12 disciples and uh, the third with Paul. In fact, uh, you know... uh, they they went through persecution pretty heavily, at least uh, Paul did, if you read through uh, Corinthians. Yeah. But, uh, man, it, you know, it's it's a matter of, I like what you said earlier, Dr. Smith, and, and I, I was thinking about when I came to school here at Dallas Christian College, uh, <clears throat> man, I was filled with uh, secular thought. And what I loved about... Um, my experience here at DCC was not somebody telling me what to think, mm. but teaching me how to think uh, and how to deeply study the Word of God. Those are two tools, you know. I had math and English and other stuff, but uh, man, those are two tools that have stayed with me throughout my life. And I think that's, that's so vital. Um, the urgency is now. It's now. And I'm glad that uh, here, here at DCC we've started gathering, and it's almost like this energy that's coming mm-hmm. about now is the time for Christian higher education, more Absolutely. than ever before. Yeah, so we, we, uh, I think the three of us <laughs> talked about this a little bit as we were preparing for one of our meetings. Uh, so the, the vision that Vernon Newland had back in you know, 1950 to start a, a college that was a training ground for men to go in and preach the word. Uh, that vision, we've got to have that now for what uh, I think I told you guys. I, I'm hoping somebody in 
you know, 20, uh, 2050, at the 100-year anniversary of DCC, looks back and says, you know, those guys, the men and women that were involved in ministry and teaching at Dallas Christian College in 2021 really laid the groundwork for what we're doing now in 2050, which would be pretty crazy. Brian will still be here. You and I will probably be gone by then, yeah. Mark. <laughs> well, we can hope. <laughs> but that's uh, that's the kind of vision we need. And uh, again, I want to thank you all for, for joining us today. We're going to continue this conversation. Uh, maybe we need to go ahead and put you know November of this coming year down, and we'll revisit it six months later uh, just to see what God continues to do in our society. And what God's doing here at the college. But if you are interested in learning more about DCC and this Christian worldview that we teach here, you can check us out at our website, www.dallas.edu. Our mission here at Dallas Christian College is to educate and mentor students to be people of influence, engaging in their calling to the work of Christ in the church and in the world. Thank you again for joining us for this episode of the podcast. Take care, stay safe, and we'll catch you next time.